Hello, and welcome to another edition of Cybersecurity Chronicles. Now, I'm back joined by Sean Mahoney and Stanley Lee of NetSwitch with another very special guest this week. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the show. Sean, would you like to do the honors to introduce our special guest? Sure. Sure. Hey, James. So this week we have Will LaSalle. Will is uh, one of our strategic advisors with NetSwitch, uh, but Will's, Will's daytime job is as chief information officer for, was it JLS? Uh, technologies, which is gaming, Will, right? A little bit of gaming, cybersecurity, (laughs) and digital transformation. So uh, we're laughing because we were talking about maybe we should do a podcast on Star Wars stuff, but uh, let's let's talk about what we we all do for a living, and that's information security and cybersecurity, Will. So at least we know Star Wars in in a galaxy far away, there's still cyber threats, right? Um, and hacking. Still going on in Star Wars, so long, a long time from now, they're still going to be dealing with this stuff. <laughs> it, it, it is not going to go away. Yeah. We, we think it may go away soon, but look, in in the future, even the Death Star has cyber issues they got to deal with, right? <laughs> a huge risk, right? Yeah, we talk about that, right? So, um, anyway, so let's talk as your role as a CISO, and. It, the position you often find yourself in organizations relative to the rest of the C-suite, uh, the non-technical, non-information security people, your CFOs, your COOs, your CEOs, and the IT guys. How is that relationship typically viewed from your position? Is it adversarial? Is it um, get along to get along? Is it collaborative? So that's that's a great great question, Sean. And the and the reason being, it's it's all of the above, as well as <laughs> as more. And I, you know, I'm going to use words that normally have a negative connotation to them, like ignorance, right? When when you say ignorance, it sounds too yeah. powerful, as in you know your name calling someone. But it really right. is ignorance in, as far as cybersecurity risks, issues, you know, mitigation strategies, etc. Um, too many times for years. You know, coming into cybersecurity before for the last four or five, it's been at, at the real forefront, right? Where CNN the other day with the coastal pipeline, it was the top article, right? right. On, on CNN, right? So years ago, you get people, you know, and I know me, me and Stanley have had a lot of conversations around situations like this where, you know, years ago, you have people, uh, you already had the issue where you had CIOs, let's say, reporting it to CFOs. So everything is, is, marginalized to a return on investment um, formula, right? So we're going to make this investment in IT because we're going to get X amount back, whether it's in whatever the benefits realization is. With cybersecurity, it's it's different. And, and now with all these compliances and everything that's coming out to try to um, better protect um, individuals' privacies, company privacies, and leakage of, of this data, right? But also to prevent these cybersecurity attacks, it's still not return on investment in the purest sense of the words, right? I want to buy uh, Dogecoin low and <laughs> sell it high, or Bitcoin or stocks, whatever, right? Um, when's your payback period, et cetera? There is none with security projects. It's purely like you were saying, you know, earlier, and and like when we look look at it, it's purely risk mitigation or avoidance, right? Right. In a lot of cases, it's 
it's uh, mandates, meaning you're mandated by some kind of law that was passed to do it, right? So now it's being uh, marginalized to the same thing as, hey, you know, you're building a house, make sure you build this to code, right? Because we don't want to be liable 10 years from now if the house catches on fire and it's a code violation for something happening. So now right. we're, we're marginalizing it like that when honestly, cybersecurity and me being a little biased here and sounding biased, it needs to be baked into everything that's done, right? But now what happens when you talk about talking across the aisle to the other members of the C-suite, it becomes the soft skills as opposed to the hard skills or even the knowledge of cybersecurity, right? Me and Stanley have talked about this because this is one of the biggest challenges when we're just sitting there losing track of time talking, right. where how do you influence someone without authority, without telling them that they're going to make money off of it, and yet telling them, okay, they'll tell you, okay, listen, get a shoe fly, don't bother me, right? Uh, here's $100,000, right? Make, make us secure. No, we need more. We need more, right? We need 250000 And still what we're doing, and I'm stealing this analogy, we're still just building the wall higher, right? Because the bad guys, essentially, they're still going to want to jump over that wall if they are really interested in what you have. Um, and, and that's the and biggest challenge. What you typically challenges. have is cash. <laughs> you typically have yeah. cash. And, and, and exactly. And whether that cash is, right, I, I joked a little bit about the cryptocurrencies, right? But whether that cash is crypto, whether it's this, because they're going to sit there and say, your customer's data is worth cryptocurrency to me, which is worth cash, mm -hmm. right? Your credit cards are worth this on the black market to me, which is still cash, right? Mm -hmm. Your medical fraud, right? We were discussing, you know, so my bad, when we deal about the medical industry, you talk about fraud, you know, somebody stealing your information and your health insurance and then ordering um, a, a PPE, right? Um, and sending it to an abandoned house and then selling that wheelchair, right? <laughs> on the black market for cash. So that's what really makes it attractive to these hackers. And, you know, talking about something current, that's why you have a lot of controversy and people speaking, right? The Monday morning quarterback speaking on right. the whole coastal pipeline issue that just happened, right? And the actual payment of the ransomware. Right. Yeah, so, you get so they some paid people. what four and a half, five million dollars. Yes. Yeah. And I understand the CEO was quoted as saying he felt like he didn't have a choice other than to pay the ransom. They had the FBI, they had Homeland Security, they had the National Security Agency involved in this conversation with them yeah. because they're critical infrastructure. So they had CISA in there as well. But here you have mm -hmm. a CEO of a major corporation, a part of critical infrastructure, who says he didn't feel like he had a choice other than to pay four and a half, five million dollars in ransom to these Russian hackers. How, from your perspective, and I don't want a Monday morning quarterback because you don't know their environment, you don't know what they yeah. had in place, you don't know how exactly. they got in. But for other organizations that face this, what could have been done? to have kept them from being in the position of having to pay that ransom? And, and, and Sean, that's a great question. Cause like you said, not knowing, <laughs> not knowing their infrastructure, not, yeah. not knowing the root cause analysis and, and things, right. We can only speculate, but right. um, at a high level, it's, it's really what I've noticed primarily in most of the organizations and the low hanging fruit is it's almost always an inside job. And I'm not saying it's an inside person in terms of uh, 
the person was malicious and helped the hackers um, directly, but indirectly, right? And that can be someone that said, screw this, I'm in vacation mode, I'm overworked, I'm not going to do my patches till next week, mm-hmm. right? Um, someone that sits there and says, hey, you know, I, I thought I had a great uncle in Nigeria that was going to leave me millions <laughs> of dollars. Let me click on this link, right? And getting get back in contact with them, right? So you you know, so inadvertently you get that kind of stuff. As sim- it could be as simple as somebody um, they, was out smoking in the back, right? So now we're talking about social engineering and the nice guy that was talking to them or the hot, you know, lady or guy that was talking to them and, mm-hmm. and smoking a cigarette with So yeah, the person that's standing outside smoking cigarettes with yeah. you, that's just chopping it up, talking about the Yankees no hitter yesterday, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> that person turns around and says, hey, hold the door for me, right? To, to, to quote Game of Thrones too, right. right? Hold the door, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, they're in and they can get around, right? And, and maneuver, right? Um, they're dumpster diving and they get a password. They're war driving, right? And you guys didn't secure it or they, you know, they got into your machine at Starbucks, right? So all this stuff is normally how how the attackers can get in, right? And then make their way around the systems, right? We, but we all know we got to mitigate. Yeah. Go ahead. Could it have been as simple as having backups? Oh, yeah. Protected? And that's the thing, right? Uh, another point is backups, right? And then you talk about following all the, the proper procedures, right? Like we were saying, there's certain regulations and there's certain um, governance risks and compliances, like in this case, NERC SIP, right? Mm-hmm. So if you right. follow all those things, you're building that proverbial wall higher and making it much more difficult for the hackers to get in and lock your systems and lock you away from your systems. So it's always pushing out the risk as far as you can. We said a Star Wars analogy and everything like that, right? Uh, there's nothing we can prepare for for a Death Star to blow up Earth, right? But we want to push out the risk as much as possible, as much as we can within reasonable budget, right? At this point, like you said, if they had backups, if they have certain things in place, they would have been able to uh, remediate from that attack, maybe isolated the machines and get back online for them to have to go to the extreme of four and a half to five million dollars in ransom. Sets mm-hmm. a bad example as well for the remainder of the industry. Yeah. So I was sharing an article with Stanley Darkside, who perpetrated the attack on Colonial Pipeline. Um, Ninety million dollars, forty-seven wow. companies in a month of work. That's not a bad gig. Not a bad gig. You and said it, you said they're in Russia. Yeah. All right. That's I pretty good. Maybe, yeah, that's some good eating right there. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> it's it's a bit of work for them to have done this, but hey, that's not a bad payday. So a lot of companies could have done things a little smarter, a little less expensively than what they've had to go through uh, with the proper controls in place. Um. So. One of the other things you mentioned was uh, the role of protecting customer data and taking that seriously. And, and Stanley's talked a bit about some of the big social media platforms not having protected personal data, uh, private data that, that can lead to some very sophisticated phishing attacks, spear phishing attacks. Um, specifically Park Mobile, which is a parking payment app in many mm-hmm. cities, had a data breach. 
And I was, frankly, one of the people that was compromised. So I received an email and said, well, no credit card information was taken. Only your vehicle make, model, uh, license plate number, your name, and your email address was taken. Only. No credit card information. <laughs> but only all this other information about you was taken. Um, you know, what is it that CIOs, CISOs, companies in general need to do, need to happen for them to take consumer data privacy more seriously than they do today? Does it require the government to say you have to? You know, that's a, that's a great one, right? Because now we're talking about what's eventually going to make its way into the States, probably years behind, which has made its way into Europe and to some Latin America countries, right? So right. GDPR in Europe, Brazil has that, um, where they basically are talking about and taking that approach of holding them responsible, right? Now, with that said, when even when GDPR was first rolled out and a lot of these big organizations, I, I believe Google was hit with a fine right off right. the bat, yeah. right? And they were working towards GDPR um, in that whole time frame that they're a lot, they were allotted beforehand. Uh, it, it, it ends up being, which is sad, and I'm, the, the way I'm going to mention this is just speaking from reality, it ends up them making a cost-benefit analysis as well, right? So even though a government may sit there and find them, may sit there and give them a hefty fine, right? It, it, it ends up being, and I say this with Google and with YouTube, right? You know, that which is seen cannot be unseen, right? <laughs> so what I mean by that is you pay for, you pay for ads. Like I'd like, I'd it, like to know, unsee Pilar's hit to the face the other night. I'd like to unsee that. <laughs> yeah. So you can't, so, so you see, you, 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 you see videos or, or you see, you do searches, Google searches, right? Yeah. And you get ads sent to you, right? Now, we all know that the internet, so saying what you were saying as far as data, we, there's been bots mm -hmm. and scrapers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these search right. engines themselves have bots right. that essentially do that, right? Yep. And scrape to build their search engine, right? So that same technology is out there. There's people that, that um, attack websites, hosts, and everything like that to then do crypto mining or whatever, right? So now when, when you pay... For 30,000 impressions, right? You pay for those 30,000 impressions, you pay for clicks, they give you all those analytics. Now you will sit there and lose those things if they find out after the fact that they were bots, right? So at, at the end of the day, you know, um, Google can make that, like a lot of other industries, they can say that we get caught, we do this, we get hit. It's the cost of doing business. We still have made so much profit on top of that. So I just think that. At the end of the day, you know, really people have to start voting. People have to start sitting there saying we care about our privacy and not thinking that some of these businesses, um, I applaud at the same time, I applaud Apple with what they're doing with the latest OS, which, which has affected a lot of these organizations, mm -hmm. the, the AOL with Instagram. I mean, not AOL, Jesus AOL. Christ, I'm dating myself. <laughs> I might as well have said MySpace, you know, uh, but <laughs> Facebook. Right. Yeah. Right. Taking it back. Facebook and Instagram have been hit hard by that. Right. TikTok, because now they can't you can opt out. So you go into the app and you sit there. I don't want to be tracked. And I do that for every single one. 
Now, it sucks because I don't get all these targeted ads, mm. which right now, if any of them are listening, they're probably going to send me a, a, a CD with 53 hours <laughs> of AOL. But, <laughs> right, you're not going to get those anymore, right? So you're going to just get random ads. Now, you as a purchaser of ads, yeah. do you really want your, your ad to just go aimlessly to no one? You want it targeted. Right. So Facebook plays that game and everything like that. At the end of the day, it's, it, it goes back to the old you know, cliche, you know, you're not the customer of Facebook, you're the product, right? So it, it, so they will always, in my opinion, they'll just raise prices, raise practices and everything like that, pay the fines as a cost of doing business. Hmm. Well, that's encouraging. Very few companies are, very few fun, very few companies. And you mentioned right now that this hacking organization made 90 million yeah. or six months. We only know about Coastal Pipeline right now. Are we? Are they sending us an accounting of that? I'm sure the people that paid it, right, and and have negotiated with legal have said, "Don't tell nobody we paid you the ransom," right? <laughs> and and me and Stanley have both dealt with companies small to medium to large that have not exposed the potential or actual breaches that they've had to the street or the market because they'd be they'd get hit with fines or their stock would be devalued if this news hit the streets. Right, right. It's all about protecting themselves right now. Mm -hmm. so. All right. Well, Will, there's a lot we can talk about. A lot we can talk about. Yep. So I'm going to ask you if you'd come back again and join us another time for another call. Of course. Talk about more stuff. Of course. Uh, and so if anybody wants to find out more about Will, they can log into their Netscape and type in JSL Technologies. <laughs> Uh, and send him an AOL email and look at his MySpace page to find out more information about him. It's a find, yeah, on MySpace yeah. slash WLSL. He'll, he'll send you a <laughs> subscription to Napster. So it's a JLS Technologies. Uh, will, thanks for joining us. If you want to find out more about NetSwitch, you can look us up on NetSwitch, N E T S W I T C H dot net. Send us a note. We'll be happy to answer any questions for you. Will, thanks for joining us today, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks.